thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Jesus the Healer. We're believing God that you're going to receive answers for your life. And I tell you what, the Word turns hard things easy. Why? Because Jesus did all the hard part, left us the easy part. The only thing is we just need to know what our part is. We have to gain knowledge of the Word. Amen. And so we're privileged to come to you and spend this time with you in the Word. We invite you to get your Bible, get a notepad, and follow along with us because we're believing God to speak to you. Amen. Amen. We've been teaching out of my book called Victory Over Grief and Sorrow because victory is yours no matter what comes against you. I don't care how, how difficult the opposition may appear to be. The victory that belongs to you is easy. Amen. It's easy. Amen. Um, we have to realize this, that grief and sorrow doesn't just come at a time when someone may leave, leave the earth. Um, there's all kinds of oppositions where grief and sorrow seeks to enter, but it doesn't have to become the flow of our life. Amen. Amen. Why is that? Because Isaiah chapter 53 and verse four, Jesus, it says about him, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Why did he carry them? Because we can't. It will break down someone who tries to carry it. We're not equipped to carry it. And not only that, we're not going to dishonor what he bore trying to bear it ourselves. That's one way we honor him is we don't try to call ourselves equal to the task. We're not equal to the task. He won it in our behalf. He won freedom from grief and sorrow for us. And we refuse that flow. I said, we refuse that flow. Uh, I want you to turn with me if you would today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. We were referring to this on the previous episode, but I want you to see the mindset of someone who thinks right. Paul had an entire list of all the opposition that came against him. If you've ever read anything of it, you know exactly the things that he faced. The opposition on every hand, so much of the, the ministry he fulfilled. Why? Because the devil's not going to stand back and congratulate us on our advancement in the plan of God. He's going to try to oppose the plan. Why? He wants to take us off course. Yes. And uh, he, will sh he will throw all kinds of different strategies at us. So we have to know some things. I said we have to know some things. You know, whenever a sports team is getting ready to play an opponent, one of the things they'll do is they'll get videos of their opponents and they'll watch it. Why? They want to see the strength and the weakness of their opponent. They want to see the strategies and how they operate. Well, I want you to know the Word gives us a picture of how the, the enemy operates. And it gives us our strategy of how we're to uh, overcome 
his devices against us. Amen. <clears throat> Paul, when he talked about the things that opposed him, he finished it up with these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. And he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Notice he called opposition light affliction. Um, Until we are calling our opposition a light affliction, we get to renew our minds further. Amen. 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 If we're calling it hard, if we're calling it heavy, if we're calling it difficult, we don't yet have uh, the highest flow of thinking. Because it's light compared to God. The opposition is light compared to God. Now, if we're calling it hard, it's because we're comparing the opposition to us and our ability to deal with it. We have his his ability that's available to us, in us, working for us. Amen. That's why Paul called it light. Amen. Because it was divine power that he was dealing with that opposition in the ability of that divine power. He said, for our light affliction, look at this, which is but for a moment, meaning this, grief and sorrow will throw you into a hole that will last for weeks, months, and sometimes even years. I've seen people to where uh, really a, a, a flow of grief um, colored 50 years of their life. I've seen it with uh, certain individuals that if you would refer to someone that had died unexpectedly, they'd immediately just start weeping. Tears would start rolling down their face after 50 years later. What was that? That grief was coloring every single flow of their life. And what Paul said, not just for a moment, it, a, a moment. Anything beyond a moment is too long to give the devil. You know... Um, I was talking to someone recently and they had had a loved one that went home to be with the Lord and they really went through some things the last year or so of their life. And so um, the next day after that loved one had gone home to be with the Lord, I called um, and said, how are you doing? They said, well, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. And uh, said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just here in my bedroom. And I said, you know something, you got a family. Get up, get out of that bedroom, get your makeup on, go do something fun. I said, that sickness has robbed your family of enough. Don't give it another moment. Don't give it another day. Don't give it another moment of your time. Get up and just go enjoy. Go enjoy the fullness of God. Amen. Go enjoy your salvation. Amen. Uh, The devil wants to not only take your peace, he wants to take your time. Why? Because your time is so valuable. It's of great value. That's why he tries to eat it up with things like depression, things like sorrow, things like grief. Don't give him anything more than a moment is too long. Do you know that's renewed thinking? Amen. That's the way we have to think about it. Amen. And so I I want you to also look over if you say, well, Pastor Nancy, how do I, the things that I'm facing seem weighty to me. Well, go over with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic Translation. How do we treat what seems to be heavy, mm-hmm. grievous, and overwhelming to us? How are we going to turn it to a light affliction that only lasts for a moment? Mm-hmm. See, the devil wants to define that affliction as something heavy and weighty that's going to last a lifetime. Oh, yes. But you get to define it. Yeah. 
a light affliction that lasts for a moment that works for you, not against you. That's the definition the word gives it. How are we going to do that? We're going to do what is written in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. This is the Amplified Classic Translation. It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares. Look at this. He cares. You bring him on the scene. He cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. What's that mean? We're employing his ability. His strength. Amen. Amen. If you're worried, it's because you're trying to do it. Amen. How do you know if you're worrying? The, the, the audience here can tell you, if you're thinking about it. Amen. If you're thinking about it, it's taking more than a moment of your life. And uh, we have to know some things. And what are we to know? I'm going to cast that which I'm facing. I'm going to cast it on his, in his hands. Why? Because as long as it's in his hands, he can work on it. That's if right. it's in, if it's in, if, how do I know if I'm worrying? Uh, well, let me say this. How do I know if it's in my hands if I'm worrying? Worry is a sign you're holding on to something. So how do you know if it's in his hands if you're not touching it in your thought life? Now, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. What's that mean? You're authorized not to touch it again in your thought life once you put it in his hands. What a peace to know I'd never have to think about that. I don't have to struggle with it in my thought life. I I am authorized to not think about it. Now, when we cast the care in his hands, we're not dismissing ourselves from faith. We're still exercising our faith, but what is our faith saying? He's working on it. He's working on it. His ability is on the scene. His power is doing the work. We're still to release our faith in in the truth that he's working on it once we put it into his hands. And that should be the totality of the attention it gets of ours. That we're not thinking about the problem. Aren't you so glad you don't have to figure out the financial, the financial how-to of how you're going to do this, how you're going to pay for it, where the money's going to come from, how am I going to work enough, enough hours to make this happen? How am I going to juggle enough financially to make this work? You don't have to think about it. All you have to do is say, I've cast the care in his hands. He's leading me. He's guiding me. He's directing me. Amen. So when you cast the care, you're not casting your expectation away from you. That's right. You're still expecting. Yes. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're not being negligent toward our care. We're putting it in the right place. Yes. The right place is in his hands. Amen. We're not being negligent with our faith. We're still exercising our faith and our faith is saying he's working on it. I refuse to go to bed thinking about it. I refuse to wake up talking about it. I refuse to spend my meal time saying it over and over again. The same conversation, the same worried conversation. My words are he's working on it and he's, he's more than able. Amen. Amen. There were so many unknowns when my husband went home to be with the Lord. 
a lot of unknowns, but I don't have to answer all the unknowns in a day. All I have to do is listen to the one who directs me in the unknown. That's all you have to do. You don't have to figure out things about your future. This is where so many people get entrenched in worry. And then that opens the door to grief, sorrow, depression, because they think, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I want you to know you had to quit micromanaging your life. Yeah. Yes, you, we have responsibilities, but they're carried out in faith. They're not carried out in worry. And uh, you have to learn to cast your care on him. And not only cast it there, leave it, leave it, leave it. Because sometimes people cast it there and then once they go away and so carry, resume their living, they just pick it back up and walk off with it. <clears throat> one of the best illustrations I know of this is one time when I was probably about eight years old. Uh, you've heard me tell the story. I love this story because it involves jewelry. <laughs> I was going, uh, there was a carnival in town and that was a big, listen, that was a big deal in our community. And the neighbors said to my mom said, uh, Carolyn, we're going to be going to the carnival. We wanted to see if Nancy, if it's okay if Nancy goes with us. And she goes, yeah, she can go. So she gave me enough money for the carnival. She gave me a quarter. <laughs> Back then that would have been enough, but she knew this, I'm not gonna waste it on a ride. I was not interested in the rides. Uh, they had a jewelry booth. <laughs> They had a jewelry booth, you see. They had a jewelry booth. They had a jewelry booth. It's all, it was all about the jewelry for me. And so I went to the jewelry booth and I put up my quarter on the counter and I said, what will this get me? <laughs> and the man said, that'll get you a necklace with a charm on it. Oh, that's great. And you know it was fine because right there on the counter was a big old spool of gold chain. And he just measured off a little bit and he put a charm on it and clasp on it and baby, I was dressed. I mean, I wore that thing all day. And you know, the links were so thin and so tiny and the little class, eight, eight year old fingers could not have managed it. So I just, I couldn't take it on and off. It seemed like a riddle to me to get that on and off. So I slept in it. I took a bath in it. You know, it didn't come off. And so after weeks and weeks of wearing it, that chain was so knotted. So finally, one day I got it off to take all the knots out. And my way of taking out the knots was jerk on them, baby, just jerk on them. And so mother came in and said to me, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking the knots out. She said, jerking on it's not going to get it out. You know, worrying is doing nothing but jerking on your problem. It's just jerking on it just jerking on it. Yeah. And that's not going to unravel that problem. Wow. Being fearful is nothing but jerking on that problem. Amen. What does that do? It tightens it. Yeah. It embeds that problem into your being. And uh, so mother saw me mishandling the knots. God sees his people mishandling knots. So he tells us in his word what to do. Cast it in my hand, put it in my hands. Listen, I was, I, I got so skilled at waking up every morning. I had to, after my husband went home to be with the Lord, I had to wake up talking. I had to wake up choosing. What is going to happen with all these things today? And Father, I, this is in your hand today. This is in your hand today. I will not wake up and put it back in my hand <clears throat> through worrying. Worrying is a sign it's in your hand. Talking about the problem, that's a sign it's in your hand. So mother saw me mishandling the knots in that chain. He sees us mishandling things. Let's show him faith. 
I said, let's show him faith. So mother said, if you'll hand it to me, I'll fix it. That's what God's saying in 1 Peter chapter 5, 7. If you hand it to me, I'll fix it. Casting it, casting the whole of the care, not just part of it, but the whole of it. So I put that, that chain in mother's hand and she pulled out a straight pin. And she just took that straight pin and it took her a while to work on it, especially because I had it so tightened. See, people want to cast things in God's hands and they want him to undo it in a fraction of a second and hand it back. And if it takes long, they wonder, well, why is it taking so long? I think I'll help. Then they take it back. Yeah. Well, it depends on really how entrenched you've embedded that knot into your life, into your thinking. You know, you go, I had to give mother time to work on it. That's what I'm saying. Give God time to work. Give the power of God time to work in your situation. And so that, that chain was in mother's hand and she's just taking that straight pin and she's loosening it and she's undoing it. And I watch her get one knot after another undone. And uh, she got on the very last knot and she had it loosened and I saw that it was unraveling. And so I was so excited that it was almost done and I wanted to be part of the finish, you know. <laughs> so I took it back and I said, here, I'll finish it. And I just grabbed it and just jerked it again. I took it back and I started putting it back in the same condition it was in. And see, this is many times where we miss it. We see things start going the right direction and then we take it back because we think now we can finish the rest. And uh, the way I finished it was I got it back in a knot again. And mother just stood there looking at me disgusted. Why? Because she saw me undoing her work. Worry is undoing the work of God in our lives. Fear is undoing the work of God in our lives. So she held out her hand in front of me and she said, if you will put it back in my hand and leave it there till I'm finished, then I can finish the job. But if you're going to take it back, I can't finish it and you're going to be left with it knotted. That's what he's saying, 1 Peter. Cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all the knots, all the knots. Amen. All your concerns once and for all on him. In other words, quit taking it back into your own hands for he cares means he'll fix it. Amen. Amen. So I handed it back to mother and she got it back out. And uh, from then on out, it it, it looked like it ought to look Mm -hmm. because someone capable of handling it dealt with it. Sometimes you may think you got it dealt with. But after a little bit, you go, oh, that wasn't the right way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Let him deal with it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So Paul said that these light afflictions, it says they work for us, an eternal weight of glory. Notice this, they were light compared to the glory and the power of God that was working for him to deliver him. Amen. When those afflictions showed up, glory showed up. <laughs> when those afflictions showed up, power showed up yes. to deliver him. As long as he stayed in faith, as long as he allowed God's ability to work in his behalf. But there again, he tells us, Paul tells us the key to seeing persecutions and tests as light. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Because as I said, Paul was beaten. 
He was shipwrecked. He was uh, persecuted by Christians, persecuted by unbelievers. He was persecuted on every side, but yet he called it all a light affliction. Paul, how did you do that? Second Corinthians verse four, chapter 4, verse 18 tells us, he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What's he talking about? He's talking about the eyes of faith. What are the eyes of faith, Pastor Nancy? The eyes of faith are when you choose to look at what God says instead of what the circumstance shows. You're keeping yourself focused on the the divine help instead of the natural problem. And I tell you, that takes practice. I said it takes practice. It takes us developing the skill of what we're going to do with our attention. People People don't realize this, but your faith is connected to your attention. Listen, the word is the source of your faith, but the skill of faith is holding your attention on the word. And um, this is where a lot of people, we have to practice. What is our attention on? When my husband went home to be with the Lord, that day and every day thereafter, my hands went up and I worshiped God. What was I doing? I was making my my attention be fixed on the one who could uh, make everything light. Amen. 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 And when I say that my attention was on God, can I, can, let, let me follow it up with this. My attention was not on God in the sense of send me something, send something down. I'm waiting for something. My, my gaze was here of what's already in me the help that's in me. It's focusing on what is already in you, not trying to get God to send something more, do something more. Why? Because greater is he that's in you. He's already in you. It's turning your attention towards what's in you instead of what's out here. And I want you to know when I focused on what was in me, it was, uh, it was more, far more than enough for the death that, was de- that, w- that we were faced with. Far more than enough with all the opposition, the obstacles that we were faced with. And I want you to know all the help you need today is in you. If you give it your attention, put your attention on what's in you instead of what's against you. So notice this, 2 Corinthians again, chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things that are seen. You know, this isn't an option. This is a command. While we look not. So he's telling us, don't look at what opposes you. In other words, don't give it your attention. Why? Because your help is not in what you see. Your help is in the greater one in you and the power that's working for you. Now, if he tells us to look not, but we're looking, we're looking at what we're not supposed to be looking at, then wondering why things aren't working. We can't disobey and expect to have God's best. So when God tells us to look not at the things which which are seen, then it's a sin to look at it. Let's just call it that way. If he says, don't look at it, (laughs) then it's wrong to look at it. Amen. So many times people are, you know, when we miss God, we need to repent. But I want you to know 
Sometimes we miss God by looking at the wrong thing. We need to repent. Father, forgive me for looking and having my attention on the wrong thing. Amen. We need to repent of that. Why? Change. Change the direction we're looking. Change what we're focused on. Because if he says, don't look at the wrong thing, don't look at what's obvious, don't look at what's in front of you, look at what's for you. Don't look at what's against you, look at what's for you. This is what kept the Israelites out of, out of the promised land. They lived in proximity of the land that they were to be enjoying. And I don't want to live in proximity of God's best. I want to be in the middle of it. Yes. Amen. Why were they not able to enter? They looked at the wrong thing. To them, God's word was not enough to look at. They were looking at the giants. They were looking at the opposition. They were looking at that they were slaves. They weren't military men. Well, God wasn't, God wasn't going to use their might anyway. He was going to use his own might. Amen. And uh, because they were focused on the wrong thing, they couldn't enter into the right thing. They looked at the wrong thing and it held them out. Even after all the miracles they had seen God work, they couldn't enter in because they were focused on the wrong thing. We can know what belongs to us, but if we're not going to focus on the right thing, we're going to be held out. That's right. That's right. And it's not the devil's doing. It's all about where we're looking. Amen. Uh, sometimes when I've ridden with, with different ones, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> There's one and she, she's a great friend of mine. I love her. I love her. And it's something I tease her on because whenever we would be driving, she'd be driving me and we're going through a construction, zone, a construction zone on the highway, the freeway, and she would see these temporal bar barriers they put up, you know, these short walls. And, and she'd be driving through and going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'd say, <laughs> sister, sister, <laughs> Jesus doesn't work in a panic. You might be saying his name, but there's no faith in that. <laughs> And I said, did, and I'll say to them, did you notice that although now you're in a construction zone and there's barrier walls, your lane didn't change. Your lane is still as wide as it was. This car will fit. Just center up. And I said, the problem is you're looking at the wall. Look at the lane. Keep your eye on the lane. You're watching the wall and you're getting panicked by seeing this wall looming right next to the car. Look at the lane. Same thing for us. Quit looking at the circumstances that seem to be bearing in on you. Look at the lane. Your lane of victory didn't get any narrower. It's still your lane. Just stay focused on the lane of victory that you're in. Get your eyes off of what's trying to come in tight on you. It doesn't matter. Your victory lane did not leave. It did not get narrower. It did not change. You still have the lane of victory. Just keep your eye on the victory. Get it off the wall. That's what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the wall, but we keep looking at the lane. The lane of victory. Amen. Well, we want to invite you to get our book, Victory Over Grief and Sorrow, because it'll be a help to you. We, we want to get it into your hands. You can go to deframeministries.org and you can order your copy today and we'll get it right out to you. And until next time, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit deframeministries.org. In the book, Victory Over Grief and Sorrow, Nancy Dufresne shares from firsthand experience how even death is no match for the mighty force of peace that is available to every believer. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. 
The timeless truths in this book, Answer It, reveal how to answer every opposition and the steps to take to exit times of testing. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. Come join us for our Dufresne Ministries Miracle Crusade in Ontario, Canada at Promise of Life Church, August 27th through the 31st. For more information and to register, visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.